Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dominic Grimaldi here with Street Talk Theology, where we take theology and bring it to the streets. Give me a shout out, Pastor Grimaldi at Gmail, if you got anything on your mind. I still have uh, with me again. He stood with me for a week. We've been, well, I'm only kidding. But this is the following week. I still got Pastor Stephen Dew with me from South Caraway Baptist Church. And I promised to get into the topic that um, I started to talk about. But you get a guy from Brook, from Manhattan and from Arkansas, who knows <laughs> where we might go. But I do want to give uh, Pastor Stephen an opportunity to let you know who he is. Um, how you can reach them. And and not only that, if you're in the area, you know, maybe you can visit his church and um, he's got a podcast. And uh, like I said, a pastor of South Caraway Baptist Church. So uh, Pastor Steve, what's what's going down? How can people uh, come and say hello? And uh, Yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me back again <laughs> this week. Uh, it's good to be here again. And uh, you're right. Uh, Manhattan and, and Brooklyn and, and, and Arkansas collide. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> but yeah, Stephen Dew, uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas, South Caraway Baptist Church. You can reach me at pastorstephendew at gmail.com. And that's Stephen with a V, not a PH, and last name D-E-W. So it's all lowercase, pastorstephendew at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach me there. And uh, this is I'm going working on my seventh year as pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church right now. And and as mentioned, I do have a podcast, Doctrine Matters Podcast. You can find me on audio platforms, wherever you get your podcast, and even on YouTube. I've uh, started doing videos there. So uh, that's where you can you can find me. You know, he mentioned doctrine, and I'm right away, and I'm, nope, I'm staying away from it. We, we <laughs> Last week, go listen to the tape. We spoke a whole half hour on doctrine, we did get one commentary recommendation from Pastor Stephen, so I mentioned this the last time. There's just a kinship I have with with, with Pastor Stephen. I just I get along with his brother, man, and I I gotta. And if my time wasn't short, we probably I'd probably do like another four shows. But I'm gonna get I'm getting him back again if if he wants to. But I was reading something on Facebook, and I was kind of intrigued on what I read, and I I don't know if I got the whole context right. So you know what we do on Street Talk? I don't really discuss things fully, but there was something Stephen was saying about larger churches and smaller churches. And, and I said to myself, you know, when I first read his colloquy, when I first read his post, it was, it was I think it was solid for what he was saying, um, but he got some pushback from some dude. And I, I, I was saying, whoa, and I says, I don't know if you was expecting that or I think he handled it really well. I think he, I don't know if he got in a, a serious debate. I'm going to have Pastor Stephen explain everything because I, this is the reason why I called him, even though we're like almost an hour into the game. This is the reason <laughs> why I spoke to him and says, Hey, Stephen, would you kind of talk about what the heck happened on Facebook? And Stephen says, okay. So 
Pastor Stephen, uh, you know, from New York, one of the sayings is I want to put you on front street, but I'm going to put you on front street. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, that uh, I was, you know, thinking, I guess it was a Sunday evening. I was just kind of thinking about the Facebook post I've seen of churches around me here in my city and, and kind of thinking about my own context as our church as we've endured some hardships and, and, and many different things. And I started thinking about, you know, what is the biblical response for me as a pastor, when I see all of these churches in my own city just seem to be busting at the seams, so much so that they're having to move and to larger spaces and already running out of room in those larger spaces. So I just was thinking, and I thought it might help some others on social media. And I just simply wrote, um, I'll briefly read this. I've seen a few churches in my city today that are growing. They're running out of room, meeting in larger spaces, and there seems to be a buzz within, within each church. It would be easy for me as a pastor in the same city to be discouraged or to wonder why them. But that is not what God calls us to do. He tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice. And I go on to say tonight I'm rejoicing with the different churches experiencing growth. I'm praying for these churches and praying for the gospel to go forth and people that people would be saved. Praying that relationships with Christ would strengthen and the city of Jonesboro would be changed. It's truly a beautiful thing and all for the glory of God. And from there, uh, you know, there were some other folks that were, amen, you know, that's great. Amen, amen, amen. Humble and true words. Then I get this guy, and I'll just, I'll, I'll say this. I don't know him personally. Uh, I thought I did when he sent the friend request several months ago. So I thought, hey, I think I know who this is. So I accepted him. Turns out I don't know who he is, but I've interacted with him a couple of times very kindly and cordially and uh, just interaction on Facebook on some things that he's posted before. And I've never given him reason to, you know, just really come in swinging like he did. So his response was interesting. He says, yet you, and I quote, yet you still couldn't help pointing it out. Now, could you? Jealousy is a natural human emotional response. And it is okay to feel such emotional vulnerability as you're only human after all. Thus, remember this factor, whatever y'all get out of all self-righteous and uh, hypocritically attack the failings in others. You are no one to judge others. You have no standing, no moral authority, nothing that renders you any more worthy than any other human being. Your opinions are no more significant than those held by any other person. It is disgraceful for anyone to attempt and pass judgment based on their interpretation of a religious text. And it is the height of hubris to dare and assume that kind of moral authority. That must have shocked you. I mean, I don't even see the. <laughs> I mean, I don't even see the. I don't even see the connection. I, I don't either. Um, this this guy it, it clearly, it, if you look at his Facebook page, page, he is an atheist. He cares nothing about church. And I've talked with him a couple of times before he posted this, and essentially, he's been hurt by a church. And a lot of times people that rail against the church, rail against God, have had some sort of hurt in the past that I've learned uh, that, you know, maybe a parent or guardian died and, and, and you know, they, they loved God and they think, how could God do this to, to my grandmother or mother or to me? Uh, or maybe some leadership in the church has hurt them. And that's it. That's essentially what's happened to this guy. And so I kind of keep that in the back of my mind. But there there was no connection here. And you know, last week we talked about doctrine mattering, that how it does matter. And there were some things in here that he says 
that I say, yes, the Bible teaches us this. For someone that doesn't know, or, or maybe he knows the Bible, maybe he, he doesn't care about the Bible, but there are actually some things in here that if we could have a conversation, I would say, you know what, you're right. For example, jealousy is a natural human emotional response. But what does the Bible say? <laughs> Not to envy, mm-hmm. right? Not to be jealous. So I would have that conversation is, yes, you you are correct that jealousy is a natural human emotion. But what I want to do, my flesh wants to be jealous and say, why me? Why can't this be our church? But the Bible says, don't be jealous. Don't be envious. Mm-hmm. You know, don't covet. And I don't want to do that. So I want to I want to rejoice with those who rejoice. And then uh, two, he says, um, uh, attacking the failings in others and actually wasn't attacking the failings in others. I was actually rejoicing with uh, the good things happening in their lives. So I, I didn't understand that. And then it says you are no one to judge others. And now that's a good one. We can talk about that sometime, judging others. <laughs> yeah. uh, but as it relates to this post, I was judging no one, right? Uh, and then he says, you have no standing, no moral authority. I would push back and say, I do have a moral authority, and his name is God. And <laughs> he is he, he shows his moral authority in the scriptures, and I submit to him and submit to Christ. And nothing renders you any wor- any worthy than any other human being. No, I am not any more worthy than anyone. Christ is. He's worthy. I'm not worthy. Uh, this atheist that I'm inter- that has interacted with me is I'm no more worthy than he is. Amen. I- I'm not any more worthy than any other human being. My opinions are no more significant than those held by any other person. My opinions aren't, but I can tell you what is more significant is the word of God. Amen. And it is more significant than any opinion I can ever have or anyone else. It's a disgraceful for anyone to attempt and pass judgment based on their interpretation of a religious text. Again, not passing judgment. And I was not assuming moral authority. So I was I was caught by surprise, but I wish I, I could have had a good conversation with him. Um, I think I did you, had, push- didn't you, you answered him back, if I'm not mistaken, but very succinctly, right? I did. I, I, you know, I just said, did you see, did you see me attack the failings of others? Have I attacked you for being an atheist? I'm not whoever hurt you in the church years ago. Remember, I kept that in the back of my yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I said, if God doesn't exist, why do you spend so much time attacking those who believe he does? Why not sit in your corner and be an atheist and leave people alone? And I don't know, maybe that was a little, maybe I could have not said, why don't you sit in your corner? and leave people alone. Um, then another pastor friend of mine came on. And he said, I read this three times and I have no idea what you're even talking about. Uh, he went on to say that I was rejoicing with what the Lord's doing in our city. And he had bitterness and was blinded by his arrogance. And, and he was called to repentance. And uh, then this man told this other pastor friend, pot, meat, kettle, LOL. Yeah. <laughs> and my pastor friend just said, LOL. And, and that was it. Um, yeah. But you know what? I, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I just think that there are people who hate God, who hate the church, who hate the people of God. And they just want to do anything they can to get an, a, a response out of us. Yeah. An emotional response. Let me say it that way. He, I think he would have loved to see me fly off the handle on social media on him. You know, and I just think they want to pick and pick and pick and pick and pick just to 
I don't know, just get a rise out of us, to say the least. You know, I I look at some of the, and, and just see if you can, I'd like to pick your brain a little bit on this. You know, in the in the New Testament, when we read about Paul and uh, Peter, and there was a lot of physical, you know, Paul went through a lot of physical abuse. I mean, as far as, you know, um, 40 lashes and th- uh, less one and always on the run, climbing walls and and I try to tell people today, or I, I try to interject, I says, and then this is a term I, I want to be careful because this term I learned from Peter Berger. And I, I've used this term, I don't know if you're familiar with Peter Berger. He's he's a Christian a sociologist. Just, but, but I've learned this term, and I the, the term is cognitive contamination. And... You know, in those days, in Paul's days, there was a lot of physical issues. I mean, they would, you know, look what they did to our Lord. They put him on a cross. They chopped Paul's head off. If church history is right, they crucified Peter upside down and his wife and things like that. But I try to tell people that today it's not the physical abuse. It's the cognitive abuse that Christians go through. And... Mm -hmm. This is a perfect example of that because, you know, in speaking to, and I got to be careful here too, in speaking to some women or men would say, I'd rather get bopped on the shoulder than be cognitively abused in one's head. And I think in today's world, that's what they try to do. They try to cognitively contaminate people away from Christianity. Does that make sense? Am I, am I Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I don't want to chase a rabbit here, but I think when, when, when we think about in terms of atheists, agnostics, they do this just as I believe this guy's done this, but look at what the, the culture has done in the church as well to believers. When you look at the LGBTQ movement, Amen. When you, when you look at the, the drag queens and um, all of these things, they're trying to just get in the mind of believers and just beat them down. And what's happened, though, is sadly enough, is some professing believers have allowed it to beat them down to a point that they are now conforming with that. That's why you have churches with the LGBTQ flag out front. And, and, and I'm not I don't. Try not to get political here, but Black Lives Matter flags out front and banners out front is because they have allowed this beatdown to go on and they want to sympathize with people rather than stand on the true word of God and what it says. And um, I agree, though, we have this and I'm going to use it cognitive beatdown. You know, it just it <laughs> yeah. just. It just happens, and I think you have to be firm in your faith. And, and I don't want to, which, again, this is a bigger conversation that I'm opening up here, but those who are new in the faith or maybe weak in their faith need people around them who are firm, who will hold them accountable. You mentioned Paul, how Paul was discipling young men, Timothy, Titus, right? He had these young men around him to help strengthen their faith through the word, right? Through these things. So we need to be firm in our faith and know what the Bible says, lean on the Bible, plant our feet 
firmly in the scriptures. And those of us that are weaker in our faith need people that are stronger in their faith around them to help kind of guard us when this happens. When you were talking, this is something, and I know we're we're all over the map here, but you know, you think about Christianity, you think about, say, the Black Lives Matter movement, or you think about the LGBTQ plus, whatever they are, in, in whatever they're saying. But notice there's such a small minority with such a huge voice. And you got Christianity, who I'm talking about true believers, we're still a bigger majority than them. And we they silence us. And I don't, I'm not saying this is about numbers and you know we're tougher. That's not my plight. The thing is, this is such a small the LGBTQ or even the Black Lives Matter movement, this is a smidgen of of people that they their voices are so much larger than ours. How does that happen, Pastor Steve? Well, is I'll, that a I'll fair tell point? You, is that a fair very point? fair, very fair. And I think I, I can tell you what I think is specifically in the church in America is we have a large, and I say universal church, but as we think of the universal church, just kind of in American, you know, in, in our culture here, is we've got a large number of people that go to church people that are professing Christians, but I'm going to tie in what I'm about to say with last week is we have many people sitting in seats and pews of churches that don't believe doctrine matters because if doctrine truly mattered, they would stand up and speak against the minority that's speaking louder. And and like you said, not to say that they'd stand up and, and flex their muscles, but again, dig down into the scriptures and be firm and combat what they're doing with the word of God. And I, I say this, I've said this on my podcast before uh, we look at this culture, like you said, it's a minority. It's a small group of people that are talking the loudest. Uh, and, and I know that Roe v. Wade, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Still o- overturned. Uh, overturned. Yeah. Courtroom, <laughs> courtroom settings. I know about Steve. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> overturned. That is the, that's the word. But when you think about how, America has sacrificed so many babies. We've allowed the LGBTQ plus movement to have dominance. It's because Christian men and women have sat singing Kumbaya around a campfire for so long and not getting out on the streets and doing something about it. And what I mean by that is not everybody has to go get on the streets and protest a drag queen show or protest at at a um, abortion mill. But what about when these professing Christians go to work? They're around people every day who may have different worldviews, right? That is a way to engage the culture is when you're at work, take the biblical worldview with you. Don't leave it in the seats on Sundays. Have this mindset that doctrine truly does matter, and you're going to get it into the streets. You're going to take the gospel to the streets, whether you're at work, a ball field, a a court, whether you're – um, and I'm talking about a basketball or a tennis court or whatever you may find yourself at, uh, the grocery store, wherever. If doctrine matters, the gospel matters. Take it to the culture, stand firm on the word of God, and start praying that God would shrink these voices that are the minority for his glory. But 
I still think in America specifically, we've got too many people sitting on the sidelines and not jumping in the game. And I think that's how the minority speaks the loudest. With four minutes left, this has been great. I, I might call you back next week. I like this. This is we we have a good uh, good rapport, I think. Anyway, but yeah, you know, one uh, thing about one thing about the in the Book of Revelation, you can't sit on the sidelines. No, there's no sidelines here. You got to get in the game, and, and I think that this is a great point. I mean, you know, they will call to action. Um, you know, we had five churches that were kind of capitulating in the book of Revelation, and, and they were called to action. They weren't called to sit on the sidelines. And I, and I think right. that's a great point. Not in a way that we're going to be zealots and, and stuff like that. I mean, you know, I mean, Jesus told when the sons of thunder said, hey, you want us to, rain? you know, you know? <laughs> but there is a way to see we've lost dialogue that see this is a huge topic and with three minutes i'm going to leave it to you because i had you on the show but we've lost dialogue see years ago even you know when i became a christian when i was in 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 uh in in in, in prison in federal prison you can have a dialogue with a muslim and you can state your view he can state there and you can shake hands and walk away you can't do that today when exactly. you tell people, listen, look at Paul in Mars Hill. I mean, he died. Hey, you got the unknown God. Let me tell you about him, you know. But but we've lost that today. And uh, listen, I got like three minutes left, so I'm going to just give the ball to you. But does that make sense? It does. And it's a sad reality that we're facing. And that's what I want to say to this guy. And, and this is how we'll kind of end it with the original Facebook post and the guy that interacted is if I could sit down over a cup of coffee with this guy and just kind of lay out, you know, here's what I believe, here's why I believe it, and then he say, well, this is why I don't believe it, and, you know, and and not get to name-calling or back-and-forth or arguments or heated arguments, there would be a – that dialogue would be more beneficial than just taking pot shots on social media, right? But unfortunately, we live in a time where as soon as you sit down and try to to lay out what you believe and why you believe it, the opposing party, whoever that may be, starts immediately. You can I've seen it. Their anger, their frustration level starts to rise. They start to just get angry and frustrated and they end up leaving. There's no benefit to the conversation at all. If we could get back to that and have a respectful dialogue. And I think that's the key word is respect. Right. Is we've lost that. We, you know, even Christians, I'll say that, that there are some very rude and disrespectful Christians that won't even listen to people that have an opposing view. I mean, we're, we've been known to not be respectful to people within our own camp, so to speak, just in Christianity. Take the doctrines that we butt heads over, secondary and tertiary issues. I mean, we can't even be respectful of our own, let alone someone else. So that goes both ways. I think we need to return to a respectful dialogue where if you don't believe it, and I do, we shake hands. Hey, you've given me a lot to think about. I appreciate it. We can walk away and, Amen. you know, be cordial. You know, we don't have to be enemies all the time. Although I think the Bible tells us we don't need to be particularly friends and engage at certain levels with these people, but they need the gospel. We need to be there and and, and help them and, and bring them along. So yeah, uh, and, I just. And, and man, this is great, but we're out of time. But I, I think. I want to just close with this thought for both of us and, and even for the people uh, listening that maybe pastors or we have to be careful 
of snippets of argumentation. If you go mm. on the news today, you'll they'll talk about a murder and they'll talk about some girlfriend that's leaving her boyfriend in Hollywood. We don't, the world does not allow us to focus on anything today. It's just these quick sound bites, like my uh, pastor brother said. We live in a world of sound bites. We want to be careful. We want dialogue with people. And let me tell you something. This has been a blessing to me. And I'm going to, you need to listen to Pastor Stephen Dew's podcast, um, Doctrine Matters. This is an engaging guy. He is not intimidated by, by what the world is doing because to him, doctrine matters. And I just want to say this. The Bible is worth a conversation with people. Have conversations. If they don't want it, shake the dust off your feet, like the Lord said, and go to the next. This is right. more than snippets of argumentation. This is Street Talk Theology. We take theology and bring it to the streets. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org.